Mike, with 2023 around the corner, I'm itching to get out, do some live shows, hang out with people. Oh, those are some good times. I've been, you know, podcasts that I like have been doing that again and hearing live crowds, seeing live crowds, making me very jealous. But if for whatever reason doesn't pan out, maybe nobody wants to come to a live show, we can always go on our own road trip, see some of those places we've been talking about over the years. Yeah, well, let's add one to the list today and talk about the Gateway Arch. Is this one of your old computers again? I don't want to do that. That's a different Gateway, dude. Oh, so I'm not getting a Dell today? That's a different brand. Never mind. And anyway, today we're talking about the 630-foot tall arch that stands above the Mississippi River at St. Louis. I'm just wondering what happened to the Dell dude. Look into that later. Uh, Yeah, so I've seen this. My wife and I went to St. Louis on our honeymoon like 15 years ago. And one of the things we did was go up in the arch. It's really impressive in person. Like, it's beautiful. You can go in it? I didn't know you could go in it. I just thought it was like the bean or whatever, you know? Like No, man. There's elevators wow. and stuff. We'll talk about it. That's really cool. I imagine. Pretty sweet. Like, it's the world's tallest arch clad in stainless steel. That's why I just thought you couldn't go in it. I just thought it was like a solid piece of metal. Like, like a big handle on the earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, let's get into some of the history. All right. The arch was designed by Finnish-American architect Eero Saarinen in 1947, but it took over 15 years before construction on the project would begin. Yeah, we'll get into some of that. The idea to do something along the Mississippi River at St. Louis dates even further back. In the early 1930s, a civic leader named Luther Eli Smith wanted to do something to revive the area along the river and to generally improve life for residents of St. Louis and the surrounding areas. So in December of 1933, the nonprofit Jefferson National Expansion Memorial Association, or Jimm, was formed. Geneva. <laughs> I like Jimm. It was formed to Jim. explore such a project. All right. What came out of this exploration initially was the Jimm to commemorate the Louisiana Purchase, America's expansion to the West, the first American government west of the Mississippi River, and the national debate over ending slavery, which was largely tied to the Dred Scott case originating at a nearby courthouse. All three of those things are complicated and problematic in their own ways. It's a lot of great, not great American history. We're just going to skip over it. Not for today. <laughs> not for today. Uh, I don't know if ever for this show, but hey, maybe. Yeah, m- you know, maybe. If you, want it, if you want us to talk about these things, we can. <laughs> You know, you just got to write in. I will just say, because uh, I'll say, honestly, I didn't know some of that. Like some of these things, obviously, I can tell about, but I don't sure. really know a ton of a lot of uh, basic American history stuff. The thing that just f- I've found funny about this uh, is how many things yeah. this was to commemorate. It feels like a Parks and Rec episode mm. that like that somebody wanted to do this and then everyone wanted to get their hand on the ball. So they just it just went to like six different causes i think that's probably about right the construction of the park was met with great criticism based on price alone which was made worse when the national park service started just condemning buildings in their way so they could be torn down oh so another great thing Mm -hmm. Uh, there are a lot of other issues that make talking about the park itself pretty messy 
So let's jump forward a little bit and talk about the arch itself. In early 1945, a competition for the park's centerpiece was announced, due to open two years later. A jury of seven would hold two rounds of decisions to pick a winner. This is before the internet, so you're not going to get Archie McArch face out of this. Should have done, though. A little more, a little more highbrow. Mm-hmm. And this is where Saarinen comes in, the designer that you mentioned at the beginning. Uh, he was one of the five finalists out of a total of 172 entries. Uh, his arch was meant to symbolize, according to a note by the designer, the gateway to the West, national expansion, and whatnot. The whatnot kind of covers everything else, I suppose. <laughs> Yeah, he he didn't want to touch the other stuff either. He's like, yeah, the other stuff. In the coming months, the arch's height grew from 580 to 630 feet as designs were finalized, and in the end was chosen unanimously by the panel of judges. There's something about the way you read that is like it just got bigger. Like it's like it was eating his cereal or something. Yeah, it's Wheaties. (laughs) It hit the gym. With a winning, winning design in hand. A lot had to be done to prep the site, and the federal government was slow with their funding, with the Korean War taking place in the early 50s. This episode is full of terrible things. I did not think that was going to happen when we started talking about an arch. Me neither. By September 7th that year, Congress passed a bill to fund the project at $12.25 million. That's a lot of money. This episode of Ungenius is made possible by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business. You can start with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell products, services, and content all in one place. With physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. You can send email campaigns from Squarespace. You can get people uh, onto the journey of becoming loyal customers. And they have analytics for those email campaigns so you can see the impact of every email you send. Uh, Those analytics also apply to the website, so you can see where your traffic's coming from, what you maybe need to optimize more. It's all in one place and all really easy to use. I absolutely love building on Squarespace. A couple years ago, I built a really big Squarespace site for my brother's nonprofit, and just recently, he's wanted to make some changes to it. And it's really easy to go in and update things, keep things fresh with Squarespace. Head on over to squarespace.com slash ungenius for a free trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code UNGENIUS to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain name. Once again, that's squarespace.com UNGENIUS and the code UNGENIUS to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for the show. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting UNGENIUS and RelayFM. Ground was broken in 1960, with the arch itself starting to rise from its foundations. <laughs> in fact, why, Stephen? So, just in case you didn't know, Stephen writes this, and uh, I look over it. But sometimes when I read it out loud, things sound funny. Again, you've made it sound like the arch grew. It just it can't. I mean, if you look at pictures of it, there's nothing, and then it starts rising from the ground. It's fascinating. Okay. The arch is constructed of stacked interconnected steel triangles, which narrow at the top. Ultimately, 142 12-foot-long steel sections were used to form the entire shape. There were concerns about worker safety on the site, with one actuary predicting over a dozen workers would be killed building the arch. Thankfully, that was wrong. No one was killed during its construction, which seems like a miracle to me. But various concerns and lawsuits would plague construction, including issues of unjust wages being paid to black workers. 
just again, we're layering on this terrible sandwich, right? Yeah. We just continue to add new layers to it, mm-hmm. like a like an arch of sadness coming sadness. up from the ground. Yeah. Eventually, the arch continued to climb into the sky Da-da! and was nearing completion in October of 1965. After several delays, the topping out ceremony took place on October 28th with Vice President Hubert Humphrey attending via helicopter. That sentence mm-hmm. has got a bunch of things in there that's interesting to me. <laughs> I don't know what a topping out ceremony is. Well, I'm going to talk about that? that. I want to talk okay. about that right now. Uh, and apparently he couldn't it be bothered to land. He just watched it from a helicopter and then left. Yes. Okay, so this is... Okay, so you've got the two legs coming out of the ground, right? As mm-hmm. I have so masterfully uh, discussed and, and written mm-hmm. for this episode. But then you got to put the part at the top where the, to make it an arch. Otherwise, it's just two slanty pieces of metal sticking out of the ground oh okay so they didn't so it's the last section mm-hmm. at the top they didn't they didn't continue building with that in the way right they started from each end and then met in the middle so this was supposed to take place at 10 a.m but it had to be done earlier in the day because the two sides of the arch uh, expanded as the metal got hot during you know like the sun of the day and so the eight and a half foot gap at the top became like an eight foot gap and they couldn't cram this last section in oh my god so so workers had to spray down the base of the arch with cold water from fire hydrants to try to get it to retract the five inches to squeeze the top section in that is horrifying it seems very unscientific so it really does grow yeah Even though the arch now looked complete, there was still years worth of work to actually complete it before it could be opened to the public. The visitor center finally opened in June of 1967, with the dedication being mostly canceled due to rain. How much rain could there have been? (laughs) I don't know. There's supposed to be thousands of people there and it got rained out. So despite all of the delays and the issues and the problematic past and apparently Mother Nature telling us this was a bad idea... Once the arch finally opened to the public, it was a great success. Over 600,000 people visited the first year, and by 1979, some 10 million people had visited the observation area at the top. The photos definitely make it seem pretty crowded. It's not the roomiest place I've ever visited. Even getting up and down is an adventure. So there's a tram in each leg that goes up and down the interior of the arch. Each tram has eight passenger compartments, which can carry five people each, but they don't operate smoothly. They kind of sway as they move. It feels like you're on a big, scary inside Ferris wheel. Uh, In case they break down, there are two emergency staircases, but at 1,076 steps, you would be feeling pretty dizzy and sore the next morning. Yeah, but you close your rings on your Apple Watch. You definitely would. And also, it's only going down, right? You're only going to have to go down. Yeah, you're not going to use the emergency stairs to go up unless you're like a paramedic or something, I guess. Yeah, yeah. The observation deck itself is 65 feet long, 7 feet wide, and can hold up to 160 people. There's 32 total windows. It's a nice view, but the windows are really small. It's like you're looking through a bank vault or something. Now, of course, this is ingenious, so I know you've been waiting for it. We have to talk about some of the incidents that have happened at the Arch over the years. In 1970, for example, four people were trapped when their tram doors didn't open at the ground level. As they were in the last group of people to leave the Arch for the day, they were trapped for about 45 minutes before a security officer was able to pry the door open. 
From June 2007 to March 2008, the tram in the southern leg was closed after a severed cable came in contact with a high-voltage rail, causing a fuse to blow. Ooh, no I one bet was that hurt. was fun if you were on it then. Boom! <laughs> 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 I bet it sounded incredible. No oh, one was not hurt. incredible. What's the opposite of incredible? Mm, terrible? Inincredible. Oh. Come on. No one was hurt, but it took several hours for everyone to make it down after power was restored to the working tram. Is credible the opposite of incredible? We have to move on. (laughs) There's a long list of other tram issues, but what jumped out at me in our reading here, or Stephen, was the stunts that have taken place at the Arch. Like in 1973, when Nikki Kaplan was granted an FAA clearance to fly a hot air balloon under the Arch, so through it. That's impressive. Back in 1965, the FAA had passed a rule that aviators who flew through the arch would be fined and their licenses revoked. I guess, thankfully, the hot air balloon stunt showed why as it struck the arch and fell 70 feet before recovering. Can't imagine falling seven stories in a hot air balloon. (laughs) Yeah, they don't really feel like a thing that can react quickly. Mm -mm, No. I'm also a bit surprised, like, if you hit it, why would it fall? But anyway, story for another day. Yeah, like, you know, hot air balloons, like, they collapse, right? Cause they're just... Oh, because, like, the air got pushed out of it, maybe? I think so, yeah. Right, okay. Took the water better of the sky, really. Yeah, of course. In 1980, a man parachuted from an airplane onto the top of the arch from above. His plan was to then make a second jump to the ground uh, as, like, a base jumper. He had planned this for weeks, but tragically, the wind knocked him over, and he ended up dying after sliding down one of the legs of the arch. So, don't do that. I assume that he wasn't supposed to do this. No. Like, this doesn't sound like something that was permitted by the FAA. No, definitely not. If you want to visit the arch, there's lots of things to do. There's a riverfront cruise. There's a museum. Like, the visitor center stuff's underground. It's pretty cool. And, of course, you can visit the top with 159 of your closest friends. Just go from the bottom, not the top. Yeah, don't parachute in. Mm -hmm. And watch out for live cables. Yeah. Hmm. (laughs) Our thanks to Mason for sending this topic in. If you want to read more about the Gateway Arch and its history, we have a bunch of links in the show notes at relay.fm slash ungenius slash 162. There you can get in touch and send us your favorite uh, Wikipedia topic, and it may go on our list for a future episode. If you want to find us online, you can do that. Mike is on Twitter as I-M-Y-K-E, and he hosts a bunch of other shows here on Relay FM. so go check those out. You can find me on Twitter as I-S-M-H. And until our next adventure to the Midwest, Mike, say goodbye. Howdy. No. Bye. Bye, y'all. Hey, the bye, y'all kind of works there. It's nice.